Well, welcome back to session two in our series of our Identity in Christ. I hope you were able to catch the first session because all of this material is going to be built on what we talked about in the last session, and that's the way this whole series is going to work, the way this course is going to work. It's uh, sequential teaching. So if you weren't able to catch the first, please go have a look at it. And also, again, I'm going to encourage you to download the notes because that will help you follow along, see the main points that we're talking about. And again, it will also give you some questions that you can reflect on or discuss uh, with some of your friends. Now, one of the foundational scriptures about being in Christ is found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm going to read that again because it's so important. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so this is what we're talking about, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. That's the New King James translation. Now, this provides a great starting point for our study because it states one very important reality that we must have in our thinking. And this is it. When we become Christians, we move from one state of being to another one state of being to another. We move from one realm to another. And in a sense, we move from one kingdom to another. As Paul said, the old is gone and the new has come. This is true for anyone who becomes a Christian. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you were when you became a Christian. It doesn't matter how good you were or how bad you were when you received Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. As Paul said, if anyone is in Christ... Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 5 really describes this change well. I'm going to read this. This is from the NIV, Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Wow. We were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So such a beautiful passage. And we see quite a contrast there. And here's the deal. We were dead but now Christ, but now God has made us alive in Christ. Paul says in verse 1, you were dead in your transgressions. But then in verse 4, but because of his great love, he has made you alive. Death and life. Now, this, of course, refers to spiritual life and spiritual death. So when we read about this, this is a spiritual reality. Now, it's really important to be careful not to think, oh, well, you know, it's just spiritual, so it's not really real. It's just kind of philosophical or abstract. No, no. In fact, it's almost the other way around. The spirit is actually more real in many, in many ways than this physical world that we live in. And so we can't just look at the spiritual as, well, you know, something out there. The spirit is super important to us. The spirit is very real. And the spirit world is eternal. It, it was around long before this physical world ever showed up. In fact, it's been around forever and it will outlast this natural spiritual world. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, 
Paul, we look at the things that are seen and not the things that are not seen. The things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And so we have to understand the importance of the spirit, the realm of the spirit. And now when it talks about our spirit, your spirit, it's at the core of who we are. It really describes our identity. So when we're talking about spiritual things, they're very, very important to us. In fact, they're, excuse me, in many ways of ultimate importance to us. So spiritually speaking, getting back here, we were dead, but now God has made us alive. And just think about that for a minute. That's a pretty radical thought. It's, it's, it's difficult to imagine a greater contrast than life and death, right? Like you can contrast people who are rich with people who are poor. And, you know, you can see pretty wide contrast there and it can pl- play out really nastily in some cases. You can contrast people who are healthy with people who are sick. And yeah, there's a big contrast there. But when you contrast people who are alive with people who are dead, You're talking about a whole different level, aren't you? Because death changes everything. You know this. If you've had a family member die, you know that death changes everything. And actually, that's the whole point. As Paul said, behold, all things have become new. The old is gone. The new has come. Death changed everything. And this is a truth that we see throughout the New Testament. Jesus told his disciples, recorded in John chapter 5, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. There we go. Jesus is talking about death and then life. Paul talks about it as well. In Romans 8, 2, he says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there was sin and death, but the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus followed that. So before we can begin to know who we are in Christ, we first have to acknowledge two things. Number one, we were dead. And number two, we are now alive speaking spiritually. We have to acknowledge that we are new beings, alive in him, and that this life is only available in Christ, nowhere else. This is the salvation that God has given us. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It is his life. Now, let's take it a step further by finding out how we pass from the old life into God's new life, or how we pass from death into life. And as with many aspects of the kingdom of God, we find this to be a paradox. Paradox is something that seems contradictory, self-contradictory, or you would say counterintuitive. But in a nutshell, it is this. In order to live, we have to die. In order to live, we must die. Now, this can obviously sound confusing because we're used to seeing things the other way around. Normally, we think of We live, and then we die. And in fact, this is how we order everything about our existence here on earth, isn't it? We live, and then the longer we live, the more we realize, yeah, we're going to die, and you order your life with that in mind, that there will come a time when I die, but that comes after our life. 
But the kingdom of God doesn't always work the way we expect it to. It doesn't always work the way things work on this earth. Jesus often said counterintuitive things. He said things like the servant, excuse me, the greatest is the servant or the greatest among you is your slave. Well, that doesn't really make sense, especially in that culture when there were slaves. Jesus said that's the greatest. He also said things like the first shall be last. Well, you know, if you're a mathematician, you can see a problem with that. If you're a logician, you might be able to see a problem with that. And yet this is the reality of the kingdom of God. Jesus also said this, if you hold on to your life, you will lose it. But if you let it go, you will gain it. Again, it just seems counterintuitive. But here's something that's important to understand. The whole concept of redemption is life coming out of death. Where there was death, redemption brings life. You would say it's victory coming out of defeat. It looks like there's defeat, and yet God brings victory out of it. Jesus explained it in these terms, and I think it's very helpful for us. It it allows us to see it a little bit more clearly. He was talking to his disciples, and as recorded in John chapter 12, verse 24, he said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels. Oh, okay. In this context, in the context of gardening, sowing seeds, it kind of makes sense because we understand that new growth, new life, new plants comes, come from seeds that are, or at least seem dead, right? You know it. If you're a gardener, usually toward the end of the season, some of your plants give off some seeds and you might save some of them, but you also realize, oh, well, I don't need those. I'll just throw those out. And those seeds that you keep, if you do keep them, They just sit there and they don't do anything. They look quite dead and they can stay dead for days, for weeks, for months. They can stay dead for years. In fact, they can stay dead for centuries. As a matter of fact, they can stay dead for millennia. They have discovered uh, wheat seeds in some of the, uh, uh, in Egypt, the pyramids, some three, four, 5,000 years old. And what happens when they plant those dead seeds in soil? life comes out of it. And so here we now can see how death, excuse me, how life comes from death. It makes sense. And Jesus said that the whole kingdom of God operates on this principle of life coming from death. In Mark chapter four, Jesus taught a number of parables. The first one you probably know is the parable of the sower. Okay. So he's talking about seeds right away. And then he makes it really clear in verse 26, He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Okay. And then in verse 30, again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what what parable shall we use to describe it? Oh, I know. It's like a mustard seed. So Jesus is saying, the way the kingdom of God works is a seed. You plant something that seems dead or is dead and out of it, comes life. So if the whole kingdom of God operates on this seed principle, then the whole idea of life coming from death in us starts to make sense. You see, sin brought death. You probably know that. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3 
in particular, brought death to the entire human race. And when Jesus died a sinner's death, God used that to bring his life into the world. It was through Jesus' death that life came into the world. And the same principle applies to us. For us to experience the life of God, we must first die. Wow, well, what does that mean? Well, there are a few layers to it, and we'll take the next few sessions talking about what it means relative to our topic of our identity in Christ. Hope you can join us for session three.